Some things we eat at lunch at one o'clock. Some things we eat at lunch at two o'clock. And some things we eat at lunch at seven o'clock. The lunch club. Hello and welcome to the late lunch club. Uh, lunch club after dark or just the lunch club uh, i'm your host christopher gallagher and um, we're going to be looking at celtic taking on dundee united uh, celtic park on uh, saturday the 5th of november 3 p.m kickoff uh, from the glorious paradise uh, lunch club is a little bit different uh, because obviously we do have paul carlin in the room hello paul how are you is this a, i just realized is this a demotion have i been demoted uh, if i have it's okay you've been let's used- call it a demotion Let's say it's a demotion for bad behaviour, because that makes me sound like a badass, and I could use a little bit of like cred, street cred. And this small uh, monologue is why I'm now back in charge. Colin <laughs> Kearney is also here with us. I'm joking, Paul, of course. Uh, Colin, how are you, my friend? I'm well, thanks. Lovely stuff. Great to be here, as well, ever. Where are we, Colin? We're at the coal shipyard, uh, the cool shipyard, whatever you want to say which is in the, the glamorous south side of Glasgow, uh, it is a flash pint pub. This <laughs> is where I used to... This used to be known as Kelly's. Yep. Uh, and this was my CSE. And I used oh. to get the bus from around the corner. It's very different to what it was. Um, a very... It's a great pub. Still uh, got the Kelly's... Um, mirror window thing behind the bar. It's still imbued with good vibes. It's got... It's full of good vibes. Um, Gal, also, first time you and I went for a pint was in this pub. I wrote an article for The Cynical, um, and uh, I interviewed Paul Carlin of Dananananacroid fame, um, but also of uh, Paul Carlin fame, uh, and also of Life fame. Uh, life fame. Life yep. fame. But no, that was that was really good. Uh, this is a really cool pub, uh, really cool pub, very, very different from uh, you know what it was before. A uh, quick anecdote about uh, one of my friends uh, getting so drunk at 18 after we smashed Rangers 5-1, coming into the the toilet and standing beside a guy turning to him and waiting all over him was it chris bowd it wasn't chris bowd uh it was another friend uh who shall name it really name remain nameless but yes we're in what i would call celtic uh, heritage celtic heritage place uh but yeah so the lunch club's a little bit different we've got the the preview dropped at midday um christian was on it and uh, doing his usual opposition scouting analysis and we also had uh, paul uh, Nickel from uh, the uh, Dodd Fox podcast, um, which is, of course, a Dundee United podcast. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about uh, what Paul's point of view was, uh, cover that a little bit later. But it's Celtic versus Dundee United. Uh, we've got the press conference. We're going to talk about uh, our good friend Ange Postacoglu. But Dundee United, what does Dundee United mean to you, Paul? Right. First of all, I'd just like to say that I love Dundee as a city, big country, the Associates. Leto, uh, who's one of the cities that voted yes in the independence referendum. Yes. Dundee and Glasgow. DC Thompson, of course. Of course. Um, I also am going to go to uni in Dundee as well, so I'm going to be in Dundee every week now for the next three years, which I'm happy about. I really like Dundee. Um, Dundee United, right, this is going to sound really weird, but I would have said, like, it's a, it's a club that I actually quite like in a weird way. What, like, was, their, what was their original name? The Hibernian, of course. Of course. And what was their first strip that they ever wore? Green. Yes, correct. Um, so for research. me, and uh, actually I think that's, I'm going to speak for all of us, so Colin, feel free to chip in on this because I think we might have the same memories of the United. I think we're going to talk about Certainly. the same, some like, of the same players for 86, sure. 86, 87, right. 
Um, Dundee United, uh, the Jim McLean side of that era was awesome, really exciting to watch. Um, <clears throat> the the VG sponsor on the the eighties kit, I think eighty six, eighty seven was when they were in that. It um, looked good in a plastic bag, and it looked good in the football. Strip. <laughs> yeah, so VG was the was the former co op, right? It was like, it was yeah, a part co op or that right, kind right. of whole thing. Um, so I remember my, my kind of earliest memory, or one of my best memories of, of Dundee United, would have been. As a kid, watching the games against Barcelona on the telly, yeah. I remember watching it in a family called the Harpers that we were pals with back then. I remember watching the second leg in their house. I don't in, know. in the new camp. Because the second leg was in the new yeah, camp. Yeah, the yeah, the wee leg, yeah, the 2-1. Um, watching it in their house and not like... I don't know why we were watching it there, but we were. And we were all... It was like two families all watching this game and half the people would not have been into football at the time did the TV have um, <laughs> fake wooden panels on a little metal stand with Colin wheels. it was as deep as it was wide <laughs> uh, but that that side so I mean I've just written the, the players that I could remember Kevin Gallagher beautiful right he scored in the first leg Paul Sturrock incredible player Morris Malpass oh, stalwart Jim McAnally excellent David Neary scored a toe poke Billy McKinley I loved him uh, played at the World Cup for Scotland I love this Dave Bowman I don't think he played in that game actually but big, I remember him from that big, that side ugly bastard Paul Hegarty great player terrible manager unfortunately also Ian Ferguson Ooh, I, I, Ian Ferguson's one Ian Ferguson's a trigger for me you know you get those trigger yeah ones of those yeah Ian Ferguson's a trigger played for Rangers and Hearts as well and he played for St Mirren as well. He was part of that St Mirren team that won the Scottish Cup with Paul Lambert. Oh, there you go. Is that where Frank McGarvey scored in the final? I think it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so that's my kind of. I've got some players that I like and dislike, but I'd like to go to Colin to see if he would like to embellish on what I've just said. Thoughts? Well, um, as as a, a young and I thought Jim McLean was the the angriest man alive, <laughs> scariest man alive. Just absolutely like. As an old, as an olden. <laughs> By the way, he looked about Fuming. eighty when he was probably like forty-five as well. So did some of the players as well. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, my my memories are kind of uh, like the thing is like people like Paul Sturrock and Morris Malpass. Like you remember them because they were there forever. Ever, forever. Um, I loved Paul Sturrock. Um, yeah, he like we were talking recently about um, tidy, like um, Anna, uh, uh, Annabelle was saying that. Um, she liked sort of a nice, neat, presented football player. We're talking about Kieran Tierney, and like where we're kind of lamenting about the recent trend for sort of the low sock coming back. I used to love the low sock though, but I don't like it anymore because I feel that you had to earn the low sock. Yeah, I, I Paul yeah. Sturrock was just like the absolute uh, sort of zenith of the low sock, talented, uh, sort of exciting player to watch. And now you've got in, this, in today's Dundee United, you've got Tony Watt, the laziest man in the league. <laughs> yes, as we have now learned. Um, so you got to earn the low sock, Tony. That's all I'm, I'm saying. Um, Tony Watt has earned the low sock. He scored the winner against Barcelona. That guy doesn't have to do a single thing for the rest of his life. I mean, but he, I agree. I mean, yeah. his bank balance will disagree if he doesn't do anything <laughs> for the rest of his life. But, but like, I also, um, as regular listeners might might know. Uh, I had a lot of experiences going to see Greenock Morton when I was a wee guy, yeah. and uh, I did see Dundee United smashes three 0 at Capello. Uh, David Dodds, another name from the past. Another ugly, ugly. He's man. on my uh, hate list. 
<laughs> yeah, well, he didn't do us any favours that day. He, uh, he scored two. Um, yeah, but like also a team that I have got a bit of fondness for. Um, I think Kevin Gallagher, you mentioned, like, uh, maybe not the flashiest goals of all time, but he did a lot of important work for us qualifying for the 98 World Cup. Um, so hats off to him. And he, he came from a good Celtic family. His fam, fa, he's Patsy Gallagher's grandson. Yeah. He's Amy Gallagher's uncle at Celtic. Great. At Celtic Women's. Love it. Love it all. I actually always wish he'd signed for Celtic, Kevin Gallagher. I, I, uh, I love Kevin Gallagher. Absolutely love him. I loved him playing for Scotland. He was brilliant and very underrated when he played for Blackburn Rovers. Uh, and then he obviously went to Newcastle as well. And just a really, really hard-working grafting but having a little bit of skill about him uh, player but I mean we saw from the was it the 89 cup final how quickly the 89 cup final how quickly yeah it could it could kind of bust a pace and stuff yep. so um, yeah absolutely any other final final points um, well I was thinking about because I was thinking obviously the first thing that came to mind was the morning game but um, I guess the 90s the wonderful 90s uh, so much to love so much to hate from a certain point of view but like um the i remember watching the uh i thought it was a semi-final but i, I it, it wasn't in retrospect when we got two goals in the last minute i've, I've, I've got it here uh, that was uh, this is one of my games um it was the 10th of march 1996 uh scottish cup quarterfinal uh, two goals to one. Uh, Pierre Van Hooydonk scored in the 88th minute. And uh, our good friend, our good friend, aye, our good friend Andreas Tom scored in the 89th minute. And uh, it went like a bomb. Own coil, own coil scored in the 20, like, fifth minute. But Celtic were really, really good in the first half. Really, really good. You know, this is a team that had just been kind of put together by Tommy Burns. And, um, yeah, last two minutes. And I, I was on a Dundee United uh, fan site unintentionally today. Unintentionally. Uh, but it was <laughs> Trying like, to explain this to your mum. Yeah. Mom, uh, it's, uh, the, it's, I it's accidentally fun. clicked on it. Um, it's a virus. Um, but <laughs> um, but <laughs> they, their coverage of that is very much a case That's of... really funny, Gal. Sorry. Uh, their, their, um, thank you. Uh, their coverage of that is like a defeat snatched from the draw, jaws of, of victory because... You know, having speaking to Paul McNichol, and I was asking him what his what did Dundee United fans kind of want in the modern day, and essentially he was saying top six finish in a cup run. And you know, we kind of sometimes underestimate cups, or maybe don't necessarily put yeah. them in the. Whereas clubs from kind of small smaller clubs kind of. Tend That's to. probably why that that St Johnson feat of a couple of years ago was so huge. Winning two cups was unheard of, right? Since yeah. those. Like early eighties when Aberdeen and the United would challenge for the titles. Yeah, my my, um, my other game. Uh, I've got two other games. Um, the thirtieth of November, nineteen ninety-seven, the Scottish League Cup final. Celtic versus Dundee United finished three 0 Mark Reaper, Henrik Larsson, and Craig Burley. That was the catalyst, I think, for Celtic going on to stop ten in a row. Lovely, um, very good. And uh, the other game I had was the twenty-second of May, two thousand and eight, when. Not long after Tommy Burns had passed away, that uh, we won one 0 to win the title, three in a row. Uh, yeah, lots of uh, lots of fun, sad, and uh, frankly exciting memories about the United. Uh, any players that really 
that you liked outside of the players we've mentioned. Uh, Shell Olufsen was one for me. I always used to love. Used to score a lot of goals. We're just in the nineties right I've now. I've got. Uh, I've actually separated mine into like, hate, and weird. Okay, of course you have, Paul. Um, so like, Eamon Bannon. Thought was a really good player. Yeah, he was a good player. Yeah. Kevin Gallagher, obviously. Barry Robson. Of course. Mixu Patalainen. Yep. Oh yeah. Hamish McAlpine should be in the weird column, but Hamish McAlpine was always like the. I remember I'm always kind of being on the fringes of the Scotland squad and the name in itself is cute. Um, now, do you ever remember that Finlay Quay song? The sun is shining. Yeah, sun is shining. Uh, one time, uh, Chris Bowd, we were out and um, it went, the sun is shining and he said, uh, Mixu Patalainen. And then in my head, every time I hear it, I just think, <laughs> the sun is shining, Mixu Patalainen. I don't it, know why. Because so. it sort of rains. Um, Craig Brewster. Scott. Right, I'm going to say that I think I quite like Craig Brewster because I feel like I don't know what it what it was. I feel like he he was the type of striker that I quite liked in that era, and I'm, I've put him in the good list anyway. Uh, and also GMS and Stuart Armstrong for obvious reasons when they played for Dundee United. I'm gonna, I'm okay. Not hate, maybe like dislike. For footballing reasons, and footballing reasons only. Here we go. Billy Kirkwood, Ian Ferguson, Christian Daly, David Dodds, Richard Goff, Billy Dodds, Duncan Ferguson, Stephen Thompson, Charlie Miller, and finally Dylan Levitt, because he equalised against us at the game last season where we won the league. Took the shine off that performance a wee bit. Yeah, Walter Smith was obviously the uh, assistant at Dundee United as well. Uh, weird, the weird category, three. Guido van de Camp. Quito find the camp. Jesus, just a player who is in my head. He's just one of these players that's in my head. Uh, uh, Paying Neil, rent, bro. <laughs> not Neil Dragovic. Oh yeah, yeah. Again, just another guy who lives in my head. And Jason Scotland. And this is why my friend Dave Flynn, one of my closest friends, has had two top forty hits, actual top forty hits in the charts. And like one Finlay Quay. <laughs> and one of them was that Scotland, Scotland, Jason Scotland song. He wow. sang on that and it got it like number 33 in the charts. And he gets a PRS check. Not for that, he does. He wrote another song that he gets a PRS check for. But I remember one day we were sitting in an office at work and he was like, Oh, I got my PRS in. I'm like, You get PRS? He's like, Yeah, yeah, for the two songs that I wrote or I sang on. And he got like £300 oh, that's for that song. And I'm like, I, I got I get 12 Hey, and I was a musician for five years. Quick aside, I got seventy-eight pounds from the PRS this year. I have no idea why. If you log online, it, it breaks it all down in the song and where it came from. It's good. Um, listeners, uh, both Paul and Gal have, both have laptops. I have a little bit of paper. <laughs> I don't have the internet, obviously. No, um, they used to send you out like a printed copy, and it would if like somebody in Turkey played bricolage. On the jukebox. Well, you might have got a TV, a t- uh, something on a TV thing. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I, so, um, yeah, I'd be interested. It was very welcome. Very we've, welcome. We've got a song on, uh, my old band's got a song on the Girls, well, an episode of Girls, Ooh. which gets played, I guess, repeated quite a lot, and that's the only the only source of income. <laughs> Jesus. And I got like 6% of that, so, you know. Let's move on and <laughs> do the, uh, I mean, this is, yeah. Sure. I had to say something because Paul basically named every single Dundee United, United player I've ever heard of. Yeah. <laughs> um, stats check. Um, here's some stats. Um, 
So Andrew Postacoglu is unbeaten in his first 24 home league games as Celtic manager, 121 through 3, and could become the third manager to go unbeaten in his first 25 as Celtic manager, along with Davy Hay and Brendan Rodgers. So Davy Hay, first 27 matches unbeaten at Celtic Park uh, between 83 and 84. What a guy Davy Hay was. Uh, and Brendan, Ro- as a manager, he's still alive. Uh, and Brendan Rodgers, first 37. Uh, home form for Celtic, are you happy with it? What's your thoughts, Colin? Well, you've got to be delighted because um, I think there's been a lot of conversation and back and forth about the atmosphere uh, and how maybe the support has changed and all this. Some some of which I think can be a little bit over-egged. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, but you you want it to be you want it to be forced. You want people to be like, oh, we're going to South Park. We're probably going to get beat. Yeah. Um, because any psychological advantage you can have is to the good, but um, just a, a wee aside about the sort of the atmosphere and about the support, I feel like it's kind of same as it ever was a wee bit because um, again I'm going to talk about one, one of my older brothers, but this time it's my brother Paul who is a subscriber. So hello, beautiful, Paul. hi Paul. Um, and he, we were talking a while back about. Our sort of early memories of going to like you know like the first game we could remember at Celtic Park, and he's he, and much like me, he can't really remember much about the game he went to, but he remembers like anecdotal stuff around it. And the thing that really stuck with him was that he was aghast that people were criticizing the players. He was he was like, why are they here if they're going to just? talk shit about the players and um but this is this is the cherry the cherry on top he um the next day at school he made he made up a story as <laughs> we guys do that he was telling this thing about like people slagging off and he tapped this guy in the shoulder and said i'd like to see you do any better <laughs> <laughs> which is amazing he obviously didn't do that yeah. but you know he was he was a uh, yeah big man on campus that day at school i tell nice. you what love, love it that. Uh, Paul Celtic's Liel Abada has scored five goals in five Scottish Premiership appearances against them. The United his most against a single side. That's pretty good. Yeah, and I would start him tomorrow. Uh, I guess we'll come to that shortly. But I kind of believe in these things. You know, you, you, you play Abada against Rangers because he'll always score a goal yeah. at the back post, making Borna Barisic look like an idiot. Why shouldn't he score again tomorrow? I mean, this is actually probably a really good game for a guy like Abada to play to start because us at home form's been great in front of our home fans he I don't know I think I feel like a, maybe Abada does play better at home um, that's just something I just said on the spot with no backup whatsoever but uh, I am happy with that stat um, I would love to see him score again tomorrow I remember him scoring against in this this fixture last season yeah in uh, the 1-1 draw um, and it was uh, he was he was kind of I think it was that kind of at the point where he was just kind of coming on to some good form where he and Turnbull and Rogic sort of were the players that were kind of pulling us through a lot of games or just coming up with moments. So uh, that's a great start. Um, I've got more to say about a battle later on, but uh, for me, for that reason, I believe in superstition. Start him tomorrow and he'll score again. Uh, Dundee United have won just two of their last 20 away Scottish Premiership matches. Uh, drawn nine, lost nine, winning 2-1 at St Mirren in March and 2-1 at Ross County in May. So from their point of view... That's not a great stat. Here's another stat, though. Dundee United are without a win in their last 47 away games at Celtic in all competitions. Drawn 12, lost 35. 
since winning 1-0 in December 1992 under Jim McLean. That's a hell of a stat, Colin. Yeah, that is a long time. Long time. And you... Yeah, it must be one of those fixtures. I mean, going back to what we were saying about people fearing coming to South Park, that's got to make you at least a little bit pessimistic. Yeah. Um, um, I think, as we heard. Um, from Paul, uh, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's a pheno- it's, it's pretty phenomenal that you, you, you're managed to keep that up, but I think stats, it's all superstition, it's all uh, tomorrow is a new game, we don't know what's going to happen. I think that we need to really, like, it's. I think that there's a certain amount of rhetoric that comes out from the manager and the players uh, this season about the next game is what you're focused on. You, you respect everybody, all the rest of it. Um, and I like to think that that is the truth, but I think this is some. This is this is like this is a potential banana skin. This is this is like a team that has been on the end of some pretty humiliating defeats. Um, has a lot of talent in its side. Um, seems to be working things out. We can, uh, and I, I also think. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll get to this, I'm sure. But I think that, I think there's going to be a lot of a bit of rotation in our squad tomorrow. And I think one thing that we've seen is that when we rotate the squad, uh, we sometimes end up with some pretty like uneven, disjointed performances. Yeah. So um, let's hope it. The streak continues, but let's not take it for granted. Do you worry about the rotation, Paul? Always, uh, because I'm a shite bag, like you. Like both of us, all three of us here, we're all shite bags. And if only Lorenzo was here to lift us up a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, but because I know that the people come in are the people that I genuinely don't want playing for us, really. Like, who, who, name a couple. Aaron Moy. <laughs> Even though he's a, he's a starter now. But like, well, I, I mean, I, I was going to tell you what my lineup would be tomorrow and what I, what I, what I would like it to be and what I think it will be. Um, but I think you, you'll see. I think Moy will play. I think Abada will play. Even though I just I do actually want Abada to play. Um, it's the it's what happens in defence because I am certain we're going to see Ralston and Bernabe tomorrow. Um, that's, that's because I think that's what Angel do. I think he'll rotate. I concur. In that's what I've got at home. You know, but though seeing that, let's remember the Hibs game. Quite a bit of rotation there. We thought Hibs were going to come and give us a big game. We absolutely battered them. Some, you know, sometimes freshness really adds uh, a new element, a new sharpness. There are people who want to impress. I think I would rather, if you're going to make a ridiculous amount of changes, I'd rather it happens at Celtic Park than it happens away from home. Yeah. For example, St Mirren Park. Yeah. So uh, I'm not necessarily against changes. Wholesale changes I do worry about uh, because you made the point there about it being a little bit disjointed and that's something I concur with. <laughs> Dundee United have not kept any clean sheets against us in the last 10 matches. Let me give, let me go even further. In the last 71 matches, Dundee United versus Celtic, in the last 71 matches, Dundee United have won three, wow. have drawn 15, and they've lost 53. They have a goal difference against Celtic of minus 135. <laughs> I'm hoping for another 130, whatever it is, goes tomorrow. They've won 4.2% of their games, uh, of the last 71 at least. Uh, great stats against. Stats can be very uplifting. From stats this, are facts. Uplifting from this point of view. Um, Colin, what what area of the... You know, you mentioned, uh, Paul mentioned there about you know uh, changes at the back. And is there any area of the pitch that you're a little worried about? Up front, midfield, defence? What, what, where does your kind of fears lie? This can just be in general over the season. 
I think um, I think the, it's the midfield and the create because I think the midfield is obviously well. This is stating the bleeding obvious, but it's the kind of engine room, and it's we're all about creating the chances. We know we uh, have a little bit. We have a few issues with converting our chances, so we need to make a yeah. lot of them. Um, Good point. Yeah, and so I like I kind of. I write my sort of expected team lineups in a sort of in a kind of wash of uh, what's the most ridiculous thing that could happen that's not completely unfeasible, but if it comes off, I'll look like a genius, right? <laughs> so <Yes>. smart, <laughs> smart, genius, so, genius. So like, I'm just like, what plays Abogor, um in the six tomorrow to give O'Reilly a wee a wee rest, right? Right. Yeah. To introduce yep. him, and it's like, and um, and. I mean, I've got Abogor, Haksabanovic, and Hatati in the midfield. And I think that's potentially a creative, like, if you, you know, like, I think Haksabanovic has impressed me most when he's going through the middle. Um, and I'd like to see more of it. And I think, as you say, maybe at home is a better time to experiment with these things. I think keeping Hatati is, like, even, even in my wildest dreams, I think he is the undroppable. I think he is the absolutely absolute creative heart of the team now um but uh yeah i just i just worry that sometimes um if if the midfield selection doesn't go right and it's misfiring then the service isn't happening up yeah. front and when you've got um i think a bad will start and i think it's a redundancy to say now but i think Abada has elements of his game that require polishing to be polite so um, yeah, so I, I, I just I just wonder if like because of Callum's absence for the team, the tinkering that's been going on, if Matt O'Reilly's to get a rest. I think I think that he, he started a bit of a culture war in the six. Um, which I can understand but I, I think he's done really, really well, but I also feel like he's he's played a lot of football. So um, if he gets rested what happens next? Yeah, I think it's an interesting kind of, you know, Alan mentioned it yesterday on the weekly, which is obviously available on your uh, app and in your feed. Um, just the idea of, you know, and it's something Christian's mentioned as well a lot, you know, the the formation and the style and basically the formation being the star, the system being the star, right? And the system accounts for if a number of players aren't up to speed the system will carry everyone through, mm-hmm. and that kind of—that's what I feel when I think about you know the misfiring midfield. Think about it like this might sound daft, but think about it like a circuit board. And if there's a break in the circuit board, the light's not going to come on. That's the way I always think about it. And so that idea that everything, everybody needs to be kind of on point, I think is an important one because as much as the system is the star, and I get that. From a purely fan-going football perspective, I want to see everyone sparkling. I want to see lights all over the, the shop. The, the, the place I, I, I worry most about is the forward line. Still, I think we've got two two strikers who are not fulfilling their known potential. Um, we've got a, a number of wingers who aren't performing well, with the exception of you know Jota Maeda's kind of come back into form. Paul. 
it just sometimes feel, and obviously the Champions League is very, very different from from the league, you know, going into a home game against Dundee United. So hopefully it'll all kick in. But it just does feel like everyone's kind of, and this is a purely broken down point of view, but everyone's a little bit out of form just now. Not everyone, but like yeah, key, I know what key you mean. players. Key I think players. That, I think that's fair. Um, I think they're all going to be so relieved to be to have the Champions League over. By the way, yeah, um, I, I am. I don't know about you guys. I'm glad it's over. Like, I think since that fair, uh, I always say Ferenc Faros, uh, Shakhtar Donetsk, second leg with them. As soon as that draw ended, I was like, yeah, it's like I almost don't really want to. I don't really want to even play the next game. I'd rather the yeah. players just focused on the league. And I guess well, Joe Hart talked about that more in his sort of press conference today. Um, I think what we'll see, though, I think the players are going to be a bit more relaxed now. I think the weight of the Champions League has been playing heavy on them, and I certainly think for guys like Kyogo, I think Kyogo really wanted to impress in the Champions League, and it didn't happen for him this time round. Were there any players that really impressed in the Champions League? Hatate. Hatate was good, pretty much consistent. Greg Taylor. Taylor's been great, yep. I thought, I thought, also I thought Jota's free kick was a Outrageous. magical moment, a proper magical, magical Celtic European moment. Shame we get beat 5-1. But I think there'll be a lot of players looking at themselves going, I don't know if I played to my best, the best of my ability there. Can, can just I ask a question? Yeah, yeah. Do you think Kyogo's lack of performance in the Champions League cost him his World Cup spot in the Japan team? Mm. I think that's a good point. I think that Kyogo, I thought, was nailed on to be in the squad. I don't, I'm not going to kid on I know but that much about it. does he start every game for Japan? No. no. He doesn't start every game, but he is involved in squads. Yep. Um, I wonder how much that's going to affect him. People talk about it like, oh, he'll be fine. World Cup comes around, what, once every four years? Yeah. It's a dream to play in it. Japan might not qualify again for the next couple of... I, I, I think people underestimate how much that can affect a footballer. If Rio Hitati is in that squad, they will qualify. Don't you worry about that. He probably won't be as well. He doesn't get in squads. I think so, that is insane. That's I think someone I think it was Alan maybe said that they must have an incredible midfield if Rio um, and Tati isn't getting can into. Can we it. sign those players? Yeah, let's get them in. Uh just in regards to Dundee United uh, last season, uh, we had the one each draw at Celtic Park on the 29th of uh, September. Abada um, scored 16, Hart scored 18. That was a that was a tough one. That was a really tough one. That was one a game where uh, uh, a Yeti missed, a, missed an open yeah, goal yeah, or something. Yeah. He, he, he missed a number of easy opportunities. Uh, I, took, I took my dad to that game, right? I took Bernard Carlin to that game. I was like, right, Dad. That's yeah, a, yeah, a Father's yeah. Day treat, right? Took him for a pizza. I went to Paisano for a pizza. I took him to 226 Gallagher. And I we slipped we a Yeti, else. a couple of bobs, just to put in a <laughs> goal. <laughs> I was like, right, we're going to have a great day, you and me, boys out together. Because then we bumped into... Um, I think we bumped into Bowd in the pub or something like that. Anyway, I'm sure Bowd was involved in some way. And I was like, oh, we're going to have a brilliant time, right? And we sat down, Abada scores, excellent. And then, was it Harks that got the equaliser? Harks, yeah. And then the rest of the game was absolutely putrid, and it was properly bad vibes. I call, um, I call putrid uh, Strachany. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. The rest of the game was Strachany. It was like a striking game, aye. Um, so I owe my dad a Dundee United win. Or Celtic, oh, you're the, the, a Celtic win. Yeah, I'll be an Yeti does. Uh, we then played them in uh, December. Uh, an excellent game of football. Rogic, Turnbull, <laughs> Scales, <laughs> scored the third one. Uh, then in uh, January, the famous Abada 90-minute winner. Um, sensational. And then the Dundee United 1-Celtic 1 draw in May. Really kind of 
topped off the season. We won the league. It was great. Um, we beat them 9-0 the last time we played them, Colin. Do you think that's going to have an effect? I think the only real effect it will have is in the back of the mind of the Dundee United squad. I think they'll yeah. just be like, you, you don't want to get like a hiding like that again. I think um, we'll maybe see a different formation, some maybe different, a different, different tactic uh, tomorrow. I think it'll uh, they'll pave paradise, <laughs> put up a parking lot, <laughs> and fill it with buses. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, um, wow. so the D United travel. <laughs> <laughs> the so I mean, I, I, I genuinely, I liked. I, I think that because if you look at how disciplined players are in media and a media context they're so on message i feel that that message is is ingrained and i'm sure that will they will not be like we're going to scud them yeah again I, I, or or won't take it for granted they'll want to scud them because that's what they, they go into every game doing but i feel that uh, the dundee united's team will be going in there to give a good account of themselves and definitely not be on the end of an absolute horse absolutely couldn't agree more um listen to this team paul carlin uh, the last time we beat them 9-0 the team that played, mm-hmm. Joe Hart in goal, Greg Taylor at left-back, Juranovic at right-back, Carter Vickers and Starfelt at centre-half, Callum McGregor, Rio Hitati and Matt O'Reilly with Jota, Kyogo and Abada. Is that our best team? Yes. Wrong. Wrong. Oh, sorry. He's a Ralston at right-back. <laughs> Absolute <laughs> lunatic over That's here. That's not what I was going to say, but yeah, yeah, I would actually. Um, I think for this game, that is our best team. But obviously, we're going to be missing McGregor. I, I, I do think Ralston will probably play um, over Juranovic. But actually, I think there's a tactical reason behind that, which I will explain later on. But uh, that I, I just I just want to see O'Reilly back in the eight. For me, that's such a priority. Like, yeah, he's done okay in the six, but we have other players that could actually play there and allow him to be at his best. I don't think we do. I, th- I think I think I don't know why Abel Gore's not getting a game, but he also just to, I know you've got him in your team, and we'll, we'll talk about teams. See the fact that Ange said for the second half of the season yeah. we'll definitely use Abel Gore. That's after January as well. That's when the window opens. Uh, part of me thinks they may just go up the road. Uh, maybe not. Maybe they'll keep him, but I think they'll get to a point where if he like why why would they not start the next one of the next three games? If he doesn't start one of the next three games, I think. Because McGre- McGregor will be back, yeah, in December. Hopefully, that's kind of why I think, if like I think he almost has to start tomorrow, if he's going to have a career at Celtic. Yeah, that's it. But then, but then McGregor in the eight, we all enjoy, right? He's good in the six. He's great in the eight, and that means you get to rotate Hatati and O'Reilly. He's forty at thirty. <laughs> he's not quite thirty, is he? Twenty-nine. Uh, he's the best number six we have, and when he's fit. Ange Postacoglu wants to play the best players in the best positions. Have you uh, heard of technicians on the pitch? Jesus a phrase Christ. invented by a visionary that called Neil Lennon. Just, that <laughs> has just absolutely terrified me back. Um, <laughs> last 10 meetings between Celtic and uh, Dundee United. Seven wins for Celtic, three draws and uh, 26 goals for Celtic seven clean sheets um, so great stuff Dundee United have not won in four games three defeats in a row defeated 2-1 by to Kamarnock, uh, 2-1 to St Mirren and lost 1-0 against Motherwell let's go over to the first press conference we've got uh, Joe Hart hi Joe hope you're well um, just one of your, the, the thoughts in the camp 
now that you know the Champions League is over and it's it's back to fully on domestic matters till the end of the season? Um, pretty simple. We kind of focus game by game. That's never been that's never been an issue for us as a group. So um, fully focused on Saturday uh, tomorrow. Sorry, and we're, and we're good to go. Yeah, Joe. I mean, you've obviously experienced that level of competition before, and a lot of your teammates won't have. What do you think are the main lessons they can learn from the campaign to take into the rest of the domestic season? Um, ah, look, we're all learning all the time, myself included. I might have been there and, and played in many of those kind of games and been part of those campaigns, but I think we're learning as a group. That's the most important thing we can learn, that we're going we're gonna, to um, make us more united if, we, if we've got a common goal, common focus. But I feel like we've had that, we've had that from kind of day one really and it's only getting stronger so um, you know good good bad indifferent we analyze it we learn and we move forward we've sometimes heard over the years when Scottish clubs get heavy defeats in Europe questions about can it affect confidence or whatever going back into domestic football but I would guess from what the manager said about the performance levels that there's, there's no danger of that happening with with you guys there's no, there's no danger of complacency or anything like that. There's certainly dangers when it comes to the game Saturday, like there is. Um, you know, it's been proven many times. It'll be, it'll be a good tough game on Saturday, but it'll be, you know, there's no guarantees. Um, but it won't be down to what's happened previously. It'll be down to how we perform on the day um, and whatever result we get, we'll we'll fully deserve one way or the other. Very good. Um, I was going to ask, obviously, well. Gordon sort of touched on it there, but just in terms of, of going forward, how much does the experience of this Champions League campaign light the fire even more to ensure that you're back there next season and, and you wrap up the title? Uh, look, I don't think you could light it anymore. I think we've experienced something that um, the club we feel that we play for and represent should feel, should be feeling every year. Um, and we want to give that little bit more given given the victories given the progression in the tournament so um, I don't think it could make us any more hungry for something that we feel is essential to this club Andrew please Hi Joe I know no team wants to go out of Europe at this stage but is there potential for it to maybe help you domestically just you know it won't be as hectic a schedule as you've had in, in previous seasons like I say, it just it, it kind of is what it is. If we're in it and and we're required to play two games a week for the rest of the season, then that's what we're prepped to do. That's what the squad's been assembled to do. Uh, I think you know the manager's proven that he's very much comfortable with you know 22, 23, 24 players. Um, so look, we've got the numbers back now as well, which is great. Obviously, it's been a it's been a hectic schedule probably the last is it six weeks since the previous international break. So look, let's let's look. We're going to look to take care of business of the next three games um, and then we'll worry about the future when uh, when it comes. The manager had said after the Real Madrid game that he feels you'll be hard to stop in the Premiership if you play like you did on Wednesday night every week. Is that something you agree with and is that the aim just to keep that level of performance up? Um, look, we're a team, I think, goes without saying. We're trying to improve all the time, trying to build on what we're doing, trying to build... Um, you know, 96, 97 minutes of of us being on the front foot, being attacking. Um, so, look, like I say, it's only something that we can keep pushing on in training, which we'll do today, um, and we'll and we'll look to take that into games. So, a short um, sort of presser there from uh, Joe Hart. Paul, what do you make of it? A uh, few points on this. Uh, I thought it was a bit of a flat 
press conference, I thought he was going through the motions quite a bit. Um, yeah, yeah. Didn't really enjoy it. Uh, it was a practiced media performance, Paul. Very much so. There you go. Beautifully yeah, you put. Yep, I couldn't do that better myself. Um, so he was say, talking about um, learning all the time, uh, him included learning as a group. He said it's making us more united. I actually think they should make them more Celtic <laughs> for this match because nice. that's bad. Uh, no danger of complacency. That's cool. You can see that. But occasionally there are just points where we switch off. So com- I think complacency and switching off are maybe separate things. But yeah. I sometimes have concerns about Celtic. I just think of the back pass from Hatate, who that's cruel on him because what a seasons he's had. But the game against Motherwell, that back pass where, uh, you know. So complacency, important. However, uh, he wants progression in the Champions League. I liked his reaction to the Champions League. He said he couldn't be more hungry. I want to see them starving next season. Very good. I want them to be starving in the Champions League. I want to see far better performances. Show us that you care. And that means beating the team that is the third or fourth pot team, right? It's the Shakhtar Donetsk. You've got to beat them in both games. Wait, wait, um, and I don't want to go over too much ground regarding the Champions League because we'll cover it, probably cover it a little bit more as the weeks go. But if we get into the Champions League next season, would you take beating the third-placed uh, opponent home and away and qualifying for the Europa League? as progression uh, on paper absolutely but I, th- I think the I think we're l- this campaign has opened a lot of kind of odds um, opinions and uh, and divisions I think in that it's the least amount of points we've I yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in the Champions League group but like but then there was the football and we we played our football and there was good performance and stuff and I think there's there were really split down the middle people thing is like well if we, if we can just play our football but do it better then the results will come and we saw about the XG how we just weren't converting so I am not going to go through say beating say we had exactly the same group next year beating Shakhtar Donetsk twice and then just everything else rolling out as it was, I wouldn't say that was necessarily progression. What I want to see is progression is conversion of our XG. I want to see, uh, obviously, points being prizes. But yeah. um, I think the, we need to, the main thing for me is converting our XG into actual G. I, I love it. <laughs> actual G. G, give it plenty of G. G was, am I right, guys? Um, you've ruined it again, Paul. I love Last point on Joe Hart. Uh, he said we're going to take care of business over the next three games, and that is exactly what I want to see. Take care of business, win every game, score, win every game 3 0. Right, that to me is taking care of business. I would I'm take, working overtime. But joking aside, I would take 1 0 for yeah. every game. Let's yeah. just get nine yeah. points. Uh, great stuff. Um, good uh, thoughts uh, there. Let's go to. So the Ange press conference, uh, it was it was done after the AGM, and we will cover the AGM next week. Uh, Martin Friel, his ears have just pricked up. Um, the press conference, I've cut into seven clips. The first ha- first three or four questions were the kind of stuff that you know, are your players gonna have they learned from it, and you know, are you, are you going to change your style and all that sort of stuff? And it's kind of you can see him just being like. You can see him getting frustrated because he's having to answer the same questions over and over again. But there was a lot of talk around uh, the AGM and about um, you know transfer uh, markets and stuff. So this is clip number one, and it's about 
being aggressive in the transfer market. As you said, uh, <coughs> in your presentation, I think of the game that to establish Celtic as a competitive team in the Champions League, you would have to be, the club would have to be agile and aggressive in the transfer market. Can you just outline the specifics of what that means and whether you see that agility and aggression in the forthcoming transfer? Yeah, well, I mean, hopefully you've seen it already. Um, you know, I think you just cast your mind back to sort of the the winter window last year where, you know, we brought in, you know, um, Hatate, Mayday, Deguchi and O'Reilly. You know, we were really aggressive, um, even though we were, you know, in, in a decent position in the league um, and going OK at that point. And, you know, we've done that in the last window as well. And that's just my belief that if we're going to make sort of those strides, I don't think you can sort of quicken the process, but you can certainly... Um, Accelerate, you know, our ability to to bridge the gap, whether that's financially or on the field, by you know being really aggressive and agile in in, in the transfer market, meaning that we've got to take opportunities when they come along, and also maybe even before they come along, preempt things so that we're ready and able to to capitalise on things. So. Like I said, in the AGM, that can be a little bit unsettling because it may mean that you know, we have a high turnover of players, not because of we want people to leave. I mean, it's it's if you know if players are happy here and they're performing, absolutely, they you know you, you keep them. But if it means that you know you know players do well and, and want to move on to greener pastures, you know we've got to be ready, willing, and able to facilitate that and make sure that we you know um, replenish that with something that's going to take us further down the road. So that's the first clip. Um, agile and aggressive in the transfer market. Uh, so obviously the giant you mentioned, Ange mentioned about the January window last year and um, aggressiveness in bringing in new players and accelerating ability to bridge the gap. Take the opportunities when they come along, preempting deals. Very interesting. Paul, your thoughts on Ange's thoughts? First of all, that cough is getting worse, right? <laughs> it's not great, is it? Honestly... See if you have a cough for that long. Go and see your GP. Yes. Um, but I thought Ange sounded really focused actually in this press conference. I liked it. Um, I liked his attitude. I liked how he sort of was. I could hear his sort of level of being pissed off with some of the stupid questions that came earlier on. Um, right. The last January transfer, I think, really changed the season for us last year. Absolutely. And he wants that. He wants more. And that's great to hear, right? Because there are times this season where I've just been like, Ange, right, what, what are we doing here? Performances in Europe, I thought were really disappointing. And for the first time, I began to feel a bit of doubt in him. I will back him, but let's just let's just be sensible. You know, nobody's infallible, right? So, um, high turnover. He says, high, tor- high turnover means we need to be ready to react. Exactly what I want him to say. And now I want to hear the board say the same thing. Or I want the board to back him up by letting him sign three or four players this January who are going to be arguably for next season, right? I I just think those those signings we made last January... Okay, Maeda's not started off too well, but... I think he's he's coming in to form. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. I'm no concerns about him. But I think Rayo Hatati is the signing that we're now seeing. Oh, shit. Yeah, you're really... You're you're the fulcrum of this team. And I actually even think, like, Haksabanovic, I think we're seeing him get to that level early a little bit. So it can happen where you buy a player and you expect them to be coming into form in six months' time, 
but sometimes that can happen a little bit earlier. So the best thing that the board can do is back the manager in this transfer window and make more signings of that nature, people that fit the system, that can get the fans excited and who can contribute before me. Colin, I've never heard the manager talk about players and turnovers and basically getting rid of players when it's right and ready as much as Ange has there. What's your thoughts on that? Um, I think we've talked a lot about pragmatism and it's normally to do with formations. I think Ange Postacoglu is incredibly pragmatic and he has a very bloodless yes. uh, approach to these blood things. For bow, blood and for bow, blood for bow. And <laughs> he, I think he's preparing us from the, for the cull. You know, yeah. he's, he's just like, some of your favourites are going yeah. and... And the thing is, it's it's. Um, I think he understands fandom in a way, you know, that yeah, yeah, is, is maybe not appreciated by other people. And it's just like uh, I think there's going to be some some tough news coming our way. Um, Do you mean Jota? Oh. I don't think so. I really don't think so. I really don't think so. But I also did one of my notes from uh, the reaction uh, for the Real Madrid game. There was. Uh, just please don't leave, please don't leave, because it's just it's it, it just this yeah, big break spark. But yeah, um, I do like the fact is he and he's always consistently talked about. Uh, earlier this week, he was talking about the the players that stuck with us. You know, the the, yeah. the stuck around have really benefited from it, and I thought that was quite telling. Yeah, I feel he has very honest conversations with people, and it's it's my way or the highway, and um, I'm down with it. Do you think that's why we're seeing Greg Taylor hit such great heights this season? I think that's a big part of it. I think the the, the people that have, that have really bought in are reaping the benefits. And I also, I just think he yeah, has got no time for Deadwood. Any kind of lack of commitment or just, uh, yeah, brutal, but I kind of like it. I am all for it. I think, frankly, managers, Martin O'Neill, perfect example of it someone who relied on players to the point where he would run them into the ground and not replace them and give them contracts, £50,000 contracts when they were you know, past their best. This idea that, look, you're going to have one team and it's going to last you maybe a season, maybe two seasons, but then we're going to kind of start from scratch, but we're already planning to start from, from scratch before that team is already in place, I think is music to my ears if if you know Ange turns around and he says Matt O'Reilly's leaving in the summer but January is when we bring in X and Y to replace him perfect yeah and that is exactly how modern football clubs run I I feel that Ange's circadian rhythms are slightly different from other managers I mean that's why he's got that cough (laughs) (laughs) yes sleep is important folks yeah Dyson Mayer, I would agree <laughs> with you wholeheartedly. Um, that was very wholesome content, by the way. Uh, Dyson Mayer, not Ange having a cough. Um, no, like I, 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 th- I feel that the January window seems to be his preferred window in a way. Yeah, Great absolutely, point. and that is kind of odd. Um, but again. Absolutely fine. January's when you pick the guys up and you put, get them embedded into the team for the next season. That's when it should be. That's what we did last season. Hatati, perfect example. Let's continue that. Uh, we're going to play two clips in a row. Um, uh, planning ahead, uh, transfer window-wise, and then there's a brief clip on the World Cup break. I don't think we necessarily have to talk about that because I think it, it speaks for itself. But here's uh, the next two clips. I think, I think you also said a couple more transfer windows have been good. You've been good shape. How far do you plan ahead yeah look I think 
look, initially, it was very short term. Fair to say, you know, 12 months ago, my first transfer window was just about let's get a team together because we, we, we kind of didn't have the numbers, let alone the, the, the kind of nucleus of a squad that I felt, you know, was going to be enough to get us where we wanted to. So, you know, we, a lot of our signings were about, well, we need to put a team together here and, and that's the kind of main focus. I mean, I think as a football club, we're always going to be sort of targeting a certain demographic particularly from an age profile, you know, wise. But, you know, from my perspective now, it's, well, I think you've got to look at least a couple of windows ahead every time, um, you know, try and project potential outgoings, potential areas you're going to need improvement in. Um, and my feeling with that is that if you can do that before it happens, you're just better placed to make better decisions where, rather than waiting for that moment and then trying to sort of, you know, I think that's what we were left with when I first started was that it was quite obvious that that group of players and that nucleus of the team that had brought so much success had come to an end of a cycle and there was a lot of outgoings and we weren't ready for that. Um, if we were, we would have sort of preempted it um, and there was reasons for that. But, you know, from my perspective, I'm, well, you know, I'm always looking sort of at least a couple of windows ahead to see where, how can we be better, um, you know. When, when these things happen. Does this World Cup break help hinder a manager who's trying to you know, mould the team? Does, does that help at all? Does it... Look, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think, look, <clears throat> my gut tells me this World Cup's going to be tough for all managers, all clubs around the world. I think you're already seeing it. I mean, I feel them for, I mean, there's so many players who are now just getting injuries right up until the eve of a World Cup. And you think, well, for a lot of players, a World Cup is a once in a lifetime opportunity, you know, and when it's in the off-season or, you know, even if they get a, a little niggle, it's one or two weeks, they've got time to recover before a World Cup. Now, you know, literally up until the weekend, next weekend, you know, if a player could be out for two, three weeks and they miss a World Cup. So I think it's going to be challenging. And then you think about potential, you know, injuries or even the fatigue factor coming out of a World Cup. I think it's going to be a challenge for, for everyone. But um, from our perspective, you know, again, we've factored that into it. You know, we're not going to have too much of an impact on our squad. You know, we're probably going to have three or four there, um, but the rest will will be under our charge, which will help us sort of prepare for the second half of the year. Okay, lovely stuff. Um, good points uh, on planning ahead from the transfer window and World Cup break. Planning ahead, uh, obviously, Andrew mentioned that initially very short term. Uh, I thought it was interesting that he mentioned there was a specific demographic from an age point of view that we're looking at. Too uh, young, too old. Exactly. <laughs> Just right. Just right. Uh, and he's, he's he's looking a couple of windows ahead, especially with outgoings, and he wants to, kind of what we talked about, he wants to bring players in before players leave. Again, just kind of backing up what we were saying. Yeah, I, I think that there's... Um, I think, in a way, everything he is saying is giving you all the information you need about his strategy. Yeah. And... Um, the, the fact that the, the, the key demographics is just like is he is developing players and like we've, we talk about oh we're a selling club but then you know you actually look at the scores in the doors in the past we've had some pretty rickety uh, transfer business so um, I, I I think this this really is prepping for the cull like he's just like he is I think we're going to be selling players at the right time as opposed to hanging on to them uh, and watch their their value spiral down um, but um, yeah it's, it's going to be 
hard, but if we want the progress that we're so, we're all demanding as fans, uh-huh. I think that's fair up. Excellent point. Um, Paul, he talked about like when him coming in and basically the team that was already there, the team that was there, you know, Edward and all those players um, had essentially came to the end of their cycle, very Kishinian. Um, but it kind of feels like he's talking about getting rid of this team already. It's almost like, okay, you've, ha- you've won a title, great. You had to go to the Champions League. It's not necessarily worked out the way any of us wanted. I'm going to rebuild this team already. Is that the vibes you're getting, Paul? He, I'm just working three years ahead of schedule. I'm just working like double speed of a normal manager. A normal Celtic manager, let's say. Well, that's about ten times the speed of a normal Celtic like, manager. Brendan Rodgers, right, probably wanted to work like this, but didn't. Or wasn't able to. Um, I love the I love the the idea of looking a couple of windows ahead. That's that's what every football fan wants to hear from their club, right? Of course. But it's again to go back to the point I made earlier. It's all about the board backing them up and allowing Ange to buy the players that he wants. I think. I mean, I can see. I think. I think we'll lose. I think three players, three first team players, will move on at the end of this season. Um, Do you? Yeah. I think we'll lose three. See, or yeah. like. Yeah, I, I'm going to say three. I, I think I think three is. Are you saying the January right or the come end in, of the season? End of this end of season, May, okay. so May June, yeah. right? Do you think three come? Doesn't sound like a crazy number to me, you know. First team players. By the way, I'm 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 I'm, ge- I'm genuinely. I don't want to give names, but let's say let's say it's. I think Matt O'Reilly, um, one of the centre halves, maybe fuck Cameron Carter Vickers. Fuck off, and. Abada, yeah. I, I think Juranovic is going. For sure, I, I just, I just feel like his, I, I feel his slumping form is, is almost like a lack of interest. I don't know. I just, I can't see him being at the club. See all this, though, like because so like this would normally be. I'm sure there'll be people be people listening to this saying, "Why are you talking about players leave?" But th- th- I think we're getting the clues that they are going no yeah. but that, that, that's the thing though if this was if we were just speculating saying I think X and Y will leave because it's a hunch that's very very different from the manager coming out basically saying uh, we're going to have a huge turnover of, of, we're going to have a huge turnover of players and it's going to ha- happen quicker than you think that's the vibe I'm getting mm. from him so but, but we need to be ready for that like we talk in this cynic all the time about our emotional attachment to these players and how our life would be so much easier if we could just not love them as much as we do Yeah, and that's never going to happen because we're Celtic fans and we adore our heroes but there's something real in that and yeah look Jota's going to go someday okay, can be. You don't, go someday. don't be selling Jota already um, World Cup break uh, I thought that t- took care of itself any, any thoughts for yourself Paul? Yes I don't want him resting anyone for the World Cup he was talking about how someone, if someone picks up an injury now that's him out for 2-3 weeks to make this World Cup I don't give a fuck <laughs> see if Matt O'Reilly doesn't make the World Cup or I mean I don't even know who he's not O'Reilly's not going to be he's not, he's not but like for example Matt O'Reilly if he was in the Denmark squad Maida is a perfect yeah, example like, of someone who's going to go. No, Celtic, club first, country second. I agree. Honestly, like, I, I, I think it would be an absolute a, abomination for Ange to rest a player so that they could be fit for the World Cup and potentially risk us dropping points in the league. It's not acceptable to Can me. Because I don't care about international football. But the thing is, the players care about international football and about if you're managing people... Yeah. And you're you're giving them the tools to succeed in their own careers. Are you not likely to get more buy-in on a club level? Colin, 
absolutely nailed it. This excuse, is why this is me. why Paul always has a, a changing room a, a rebellion when he excuse plays me, football sorry, manager. Who pays my that? Is it Japan or is it? Oh, it's Celtic. It's Celtic, right? Sorry, yeah, that was very. That was very unlike anything I've ever seen. for Japan national team for free. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just yeah, I I just I was. Just a bit of fun. Just, just, just a, a bit, bit of fun. fun. Just a bit of fun. Um, but no, but seriously, don't fucking rest these guys. Like we, we need all our players. Celtic matter more than the World Cup. Yeah, especially um, this World Cup. Uh, th- 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 this other clip again. I'll play the clip. We don't necessarily have to go into too much detail, but it's the importance of selling players at the right time. Talk about that. Well, generation of the team. How important is it to sell players at the right time for that to be successful? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It's 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 got to be that we're when I talk about being agile that. You know, we've got to really be open-minded about these things, and, and always without, you know, uh, putting pressure on on individuals or, or or us forcing people out. I think there's a natural evolution of these things where the timing is right, and I think if the timing is right. If we've done our sort of planning correctly, we won't be in fear of letting someone go because we've already planned for that, and uh, I think that has to happen. Uh, again, if you look at all the clubs our size who have done well um, at Champions League level, by done well I mean make an impact. Obviously, not um, you know necessarily winning the competition. All of them have some constants in that they're always in the Champions League, and they've always got an aggressive trading model. You know that's how you make up ground. You know, and um, yeah, for us to be that sort of football club, we have to be the same. So, as Anne says there, very open-minded, uh, no pressure, not going to force anyone out. Timing is right, needs to be planned correctly. It should all come together. It's kind of like, um, he, he talked about the aggressive training, uh, trading model uh, and how the teams of our level use an aggressive trade, trading model and are consistently in the Champions League, and that's what we want. Yeah, I mean, that, that was the, out of the whole presser, that was the phrase that I've highlighted aggressive training model I think it ties into his talk about turnover I think there's um, there's certain the, again about what he's talking about the players that stuck with it succeed under these things um, I almost feel like and just going back to our Champions League campaign and coming into Dundee United tomorrow just like this like that's like overtraining for domestically and I think the thing is he's st- another aspect of his language that I picked up on is, is he's still doing the we need to take it game by game give her the respect but it will be difficult to beat us I I think this is kind of like almost like a big movie studio announcing phase two of some IP yeah yeah definitely definitely yeah, yeah. lovely that's a great point yeah um, we've been Celtic have sold a lot of players at the wrong time in the past players that spring to mind for me Olivier and Cham, Edward, Christopher Iyer, Austin Edward, there are three. Um, so I think we need to learn from those mistakes and sell Abada. <laughs> I think Abada is, is TM one, me. I, I do think Abada is one that you would look at and you'd think if there is concrete interest, you could let him go. And I know people will disagree, and that's fine. Uh, I, I see a lot of um, opportunity in regards to him developing. I'm just not sure that he's going to develop in the way. Yeah, for Celtic, I don't know. He's a frustrating young man. Um, I'd like to shout out. Um, so one of the 
my building's getting a lot of work done on it, new roof and all that sort of stuff. I was talking to one of the uh, labourers yesterday who is who listens to the cynic, and, um, I, and I can't remember his name, or I don't even know if we've actually introduced each other by name, but we've been chatting about the Celtic for a while. And he was talking about Abada as being like the guy who... It's probably the one that you, if you sold now, you're probably getting maximum profit. Not to use players as a like monopoly, 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 monopoly money. Thank you. Uh, but Abada to me is the obvious. If someone's interested in him, get the money, let him go and develop somewhere else. Good luck with your future endeavours. You've did some great. You've done some great things at Celtic, but. I mean, he could light up the entire Scottish Premiership in the second half of the season and score. He's going to score tomorrow, so and then you know you go on. But anyway, these are these are good points. Uh, I'm going to play the next two clips in a row, and it's just about the expectations uh, from the of the last games coming up, and also Dundee United since last night. Well, on the pitch, three games to go into the World Cup break. Yeah. Short term meetings <coughs> to show that the high level for those next three matches to see off into that break. As we have been, yeah, as we have been in recent. Um, Oh, since the start of the season, I mean, we obviously had the disappointing results at Mirren, but our performances aside from that have been really strong, and we just need to continue that till the break. As you said, three important games, um, two of them at home. I mean, we've only had five home games so far out of the twelve, so it goes to show you that you know we know in this competition it's hard to win games of football away from home, and if you're going to slip up, that's there's always a danger of that. Um, so we've navigated that pretty well. So. Out of those three, two are at home, and we want to finish strong and, and continue our form, and then sort of regroup and get ready for the second half of the year. Obviously, an emphatic three last time out against Dundee United. Just how different do you feel this game will be? They've obviously had a lot of change since then. Yeah, they have, and look, that day was a little bit, you know, unusual in that, you know, we just hit a real sort of golden streak of, you know, creating opportunities and scoring goals. We've we've had games where we've probably created more chances than we did that day. Um, quite a few this year and we just haven't capitalised that day just all fell for us and you have those kind of days so um, I've got no doubt as you said they've had a bit of change since then and they're going to make it come out here and make it tough for us um, you know, um, tomorrow and we've got to be ready for it but as I say our form has been really strong and, and if we continue with that form then we know we're going to be hard to stop uh, Ange Postacoglu very respectful um, of Dundee United since the last time Basically saying that everything fell for us when we beat them 9-0. Uh, we've created more in other games. Uh, it's just that everything came together. Um, very respectful. Thoughts? Yeah, I think I kind of jumped the gun a wee bit. Uh, he's very respectful, but I feel that the, it was the caveated or there was a postscript. <laughs> more, more postscript that it's going to be hard to beat players. But I, I feel that he understands the pitfalls of, I don't know, who's bragged about getting results and then not got results? You know, like, he, he understands the pitfalls. Yeah. He's very politic in his answers. Um, but I also think he understands that it's just like, um, you know, like a horsing is not a given. We have to earn it. Um, we're coming off the back of a very difficult defeat, um, which we'll be living in the players' heads, uh, regardless of... It's dead rubber, nature, all the rest of it. Um, they're they're going to want to make a point, um, but they're still going to like be in a sort of headspace that is maybe a good thing to play as possibly. Yeah, Paul. It, out of those last couple of clips, the thing that surprised me most was we've only we've only played five games at home 
yeah. in the league. Yes, very true. Very, very Absolutely true. Absolutely wild. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like that at all. So I think that really hammers home how good we've been this season. Yes. Like, to win seven games away from home. No, not win. Sorry. Six out of the seven, I guess. Um, obviously losing to St. Mirren. That's great form. Incredible, right? yeah. And what are the games at home? Um, Aberdeen, Motherwell, Hibs, and others who uh, Rangers, Rangers, obviously. But but think about him, sorry. Who? <laughs> no, but <laughs> think about those performances have been really good. This is making me feel a bit more confident yeah. about tomorrow. Like, but actually, you know, and I actually I like that he played down the nine now a wee bit. I, I think that was the right thing to do. Um, saying our form has been really strong, it has. And it's because we're playing on our own terms. And every time we play our game on our own, own terms, terms, we win. We didn't do that against St. Martin, and we lost the game. So, very, very positive, focused, encouraging press conference from Ange this week. Yeah, final clip is just about players being available and who's there and who's not. Yeah, well, I was AGM, mate, so the chairman's fit, um, CEO's... <laughs> CEOs firing on all cylinders. Um, no, the boys trained and everyone's everyone's good. Cam got through training, so um, he's available for tomorrow, which is good. Um, and um, with the rest, the, you know, obviously the other night would have taken a fair bit out of them. Um, they all trained though, so I'll, I'll, I'll make obviously a couple of changes to the team tomorrow. But in terms of health-wise, um, you know, apart from uh, Callum, everyone else is good to go. So that was the final clip uh, from the press conference. Uh, had a bit of part at the beginning when he was talking about the CEOs available and the CFOs fit. Ah, lovely stuff. Um, so essentially, CCV is available, yep. and Callum McGregor is the only one who isn't available. Yep. So we get a full complement of, of of players. Um, before we kind of go and pick our teams and decide uh, who we think is going to play, etc. Just some analysis on the preview uh, that dropped at midday. You can go back and listen to it. Uh, Christian had some uh, kind of analysis points. I, I, I asked him for kind of five key points. Um, unless you guys have got any points you want to bring up before we do that? I've basically been trying to work up a, a joke about Tony Watt being lazy. Something like calling him like five watts or something like that. <laughs> You know, like electricity. Yeah, electricity. I haven't quite worked. Not enough out. electricity jokes. See yeah. if see if uh, if the cynic listenership was like all boomers or the golden generation even better. The, the golden generation golden would love that joke. Love it. Uh, here's, the, here's the key points from Christian's analysis. As I say, you can go and listen to it on uh, the preview. Um, expected points showing Dundee United are better than results so far. Yep. Uh, the high possession stats for a bottom place team. Their change of defensive setup has been giving them better results lately, and the better results come against teams when Dundee United sit in a lower block. So they've re- they reverted from a back four to a back three. Uh, they're getting better results against better teams. That's a little bit of a worry, uh, Colin. Yes, but I feel I honestly I, I I was asking myself honestly what I thought about it, and I feel that. Um, like Shakira said, the stats don't lie. But Shakira didn't say that. She said hips don't lie, Colin. <laughs> oh, I, I've got a notorious tin ear for lyrics. <laughs> um, and so, but I really think they will improve. I don't think tomorrow's the day they're going to improve. I really, I really feel that even with my ridiculous lineup, I think we're still going to find a way to beat Dundee United at home tomorrow. Lovely. Uh, enjoyed a. Uh, uh, Christian's analysis this week as ever is excellent um, 
despite it being Vogue nonsense, <laughs> Vogue. If anyone's heard the preview, they will uh, they will get that joke. Um, the expected points on Dundee is results better. That's just the story of XG, right? Like I think Stephen Russell showed us this last year, where like he got his victory over uh, God love him, like brilliant, really happy for him. But at the same time, right? So expected points, and then this high possession stats for a bottom team. What are they? going to do with the ball against us tomorrow? They're better when they don't have the ball. So they're better when they break, lower block, break, hit us in the counter-attack. Uh, right. So, so but when they've got the ball, they struggle more with it. But what are they going to do tomorrow? What are they actually going to do tomorrow? I think they're going to sit break, sit deep and try and pass, try and find Right, so, that we, so we face that every time we play a team at home. Absolutely. And we've won... The difference is... Our ball boys find a way <laughs> to... <laughs> our, wo- our, wo- uh, our ball boys who are apparently too woke, according to that guy from that... With their rainbow laces and their pregnant dad. She was, man. That's the weirdest shit going on. Some man. people yeah. need to like, leave the house no, no, more and, like, and not let worms eat their brains. <laughs> right. Jesus Christ. Um, I was thinking about how, though, we could exploit this them sitting lower, right? Who are the players... They can help us unlock a defence like that, right? So Kyogo, the Jota. movement. Jota. Jota, obviously. I actually think the Abada Ralston axis might be the thing that works for us here. Stop looking over my shoulder at my team lineup. <laughs> uh, we'll come to that. We'll come to that. But yeah, Christian's analysis is excellent as always. It's available on the preview. It's a good 25 minutes breaking down the United. Uh, we also had uh, Paul McNichol from the Dode Fox podcast. Enjoy Paul's uh, compliments. May I come in first on this? If 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 Paul McNichol's listening, uh, I go to Dundee on a mon- uh, for a, for uni every Monday. I want to go for a pint with Paul McNichol because I thought he sounded like an awesome dude. I loved his confidence at the start of the podcast and his realism at the end. He also hates Rangers, so I feel like there's a, a friendship between the cynic and Paul McNichol happening here. Um, great. A great interview, I thought, Gal. I thought um, it was a really, really good interview. Um, lots of things he said really kind of hit home with me. Like, I was expecting a lot from Dundee United this season, too. Yeah. yeah. Like Jack Ross is the manager, good signings. I thought, I mean, Dylan Levitt is a great footballer. Yeah. I think a really good signing for them. Signing Stephen Fletcher. I do think Tony Watt has something in him, but I mean, we're not really seeing it this season. Um, I was quite surprised to hear him being kind of so cool on. Their midfield three, because I think that three of McGrath, Sibold, and Levitt. You pointed out, Gal. You said that's the uh, that's the midfield that Aberdeen almost aspire to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what is stopping Dundee United having the second best midfield in Scotland? Because it's Celtic have the best midfield, but those three players are talented. I, I mean, I think talented. Sibold's a steady Eddie, as he said. Um, McGrath, I think, is a great signing for the United. Really, really good player. And Levitt's a genuine talent. So, um, interesting that, that the, the United fan base is feeling as unoptimistic as they are. But at the same time, we all know how that feels. I think they're having issues with their board yeah. as well, oh, yeah, from, okay. from what I'm allowed to believe. Uh, but yeah, great um, great interactions from Paul. Any kind of final thoughts on uh, Christian? No, I Paul? really enjoyed uh, the chat. And uh, yeah, just echo what you said. Uh, good dudes and just you know I, I think sometimes when you're supporting a team that is generally as successful as Celtic you kind of you can sometimes forget about the the struggles of others. the struggles of like of, of I mean like imagine being 
in that situation with that team to be near the bottom of the table. Yeah. Um, and to be to approach that with such good humour and intelligence and good grace generally. Wonderful. Excellent. If Paul is listening to this, and I doubt he is because he's I don't a think United, United fan, but I want to go for a pint with him. You've mentioned that already, weirdo. Right, okay, let's um, let's finish up by uh, looking at our lineup and predictions. Uh, let's go straight to Colin because you are ready to rock with your yeah, odd my, lineup, you said? My bananas, uh, which is only going to seem bananas until tomorrow at 2 o'clock when it's announced, and everybody's going, to be like, good lord, he's nailed it again. <laughs> uh, I think Seagrass might show up. Oh, come on. Okay, okay. Just, just Joe Hart to depressor. Yeah, I know, but he's he's doing the media work so Benji can do the but work. But used to play for the United and will therefore just I, That's kind of why I think that's... But that's, he, that's what you do. He, yeah. You play the guy who used to play... This isn't football manager, my friends. No, that's but, it, that, no, that's legitimate. Be, he, does not want, he does not want to concede to his... Uh, he wants to be there. He wants to... Do you know why, Celtic, do you know why Celtic signed Willow Flood? Because of the penalty miss? Because he played really, really well against us. So what you do is you buy their best player, and the only two, only three starts I think Willow Flood had were against Under United. It's a psychological thing. I'm not even joking. It's a, for yeah. a sporting psychological thing, you play the player who you've taken from the opposition team. To I show would, by them, the way, I would play Scott Bain. Oh, Shout out to my fellow Bainians. Yeah, well, can I say? I thought we get rid of the this, Can I just, with can the I just ange this and just pin it to the board and run away so I don't <laughs> have to deal with this? Yeah, outrage uh, from. Paul Carlin uh, yep so Seagrass and Goal and then we're going to see CCV and Starfelt reunited yes. at last yep. it's going to be delightful yeah, I'll fucking wait um, big fan I want to see a big a big bear hug uh, before before the start oh, of the game bears and then uh, and I think we're going to see Ralston and Burnaby okay together um, and I think Abogor and the six Give Matt O'Reilly a little break. I want to see Haxabanovich and Hatati. Um, oh, see, you well. said this was bananas. I, I was like, well, how bananas could it be? Pretty fucking bananas. Yeah, a bunch bananas. of bananas. Yeah, yeah, a whole bunch of bananas. Chiquita Banana has herself <laughs> Listen, come up with this. I'm going to come across like Nostradamus tomorrow, I tell you what. No, I'm not. Um, and uh, up front, slightly less bananas, but I think we're going to see Kyogo straight down the middle, and we're going to see Abada and Jota on the wings. And I think, so I essentially think we're going to have a mixture of innocence and experience. We're going to see some players, what they're made of. We're going to have a really exciting time watch Haksabanovic do him. what he does best. Love him. Which is going straight in the middle when there's plenty of fouls and cool. being, being, being a cool customer. A big fan of that. Paul, what's your lineup? Uh, Joe Hart and goals, obviously. <laughs> Even though he had a clanger uh, against Real Madrid um, same back four though I, th- I mean I'd rather see Taylor but I think he'll play Burnaby I do th- actually think I think Ralston in this game I think his direct play maybe he'll put in one good cross just one good cross uh, I too had the uh, Abogor in the six but I'm not resting O'Reilly I'm playing him in his best position in the eight Hatati is uh, obviously a nailed on starter uh, yeah same front three Abada Kyogo Jota for me um, although if he plays Matt O'Reilly in the six, I'd like to see Hacksaw in the eight as well. Um, I don't want to see Aaron Moy play. I'm fucking sick of Aaron Moy. I know that I'm maybe alone in that, or Christian, back, Christian would back me up, but 
Uh, I don't want to see Adam, Adam Moy play either, but that's yeah. not to say that uh, he's as ineffective as you make out. In a game like this, we need pace, uh, intra- like good passing, like move, be, be able to. Because like, if you're playing against like a back fucking ten, you need to be able to move the ball quickly, and that's not something that Moy does. That's that is fair. That is the truth, right? So all y'all out there who love Aaron Moy. Enjoy your love for Aaron Moy. Loves Aaron Moy. I don't like him. I don't think he's good enough for this. So I want to see Abogore, O'Reilly, Hatati, or O'Reilly, Hatati, and Hacksaw. Interesting. Interesting. Two different teams. Uh, I would go myself with Joe Hart. I would go with Greg Taylor, uh, CCV, Starfelt, and of course, Juranovic. <laughs> I would go with Matt O'Reilly. I'd go with Hatati. I'd go with Haksabanovic. Kyogo, Jota, Maeda. Ooh, well, Maeda, yeah. Maeda's coming back into form. I I want to see Maeda play some... I do think he will make changes, though. I think this is a tough one. I think Maeda needs a rest for the World Cup. (laughs) That's true. Oh, my God. (laughs) What did I just say? He he did mention in his press conference about there's going to be changes, so there is definitely going to be changes. Um, I I do wonder whether, whether those changes will be... Enforced in regards to you know players who you know bringing in Jackamakis, letting Jackamakis start and giving Kyogo sixty or, or forty, you know, or whatever. So um, it'll be interesting to see what the team team is. It's hard to predict at this point, but I like both your teams. They're both wacky and interesting. <laughs> I, I can't believe you've both picked Applegar um, because I cannot. Wait, but when? If not tomorrow, when? Never. But second, I mean, he's clearly second like not the shite, right? It's not about whether he's shite or not. We don't know. We don't even know. He's he's actually like when it, we do when Ange, the cynic. When Ange saying when Ange said he will be the guy for the second half of the season, he meant post World Cup. Are we going to play him as an eight? And on that bombshell, uh, quick predictions, Paul Carlin. Two uh, 0 Celtic. Beautiful, Colin. Three one Celtic. Beautiful. I'll go four 0 Celtic. Uh, we've got a reaction coming up straight after the game uh, myself Barry Gallagher and uh, Christopher Bowd will be reacting from the 13th note uh, live and in loud and in charge sorry Paul I have a quiz oh Paul's got a quiz yes Paul let's of do course he has a quiz Paul, just to make me look silly let's finish end. let's finish out with the quiz I'm excited eight uh, questions you get to pick your number uh, Gal come to you first pick a number between one and eight please uh, Paul McStay What's the maximum number of total goals scored in a match between Celtic and Dundee United? Is it 9, 10 or 11? 11. Incorrect, it's 9. Bastard. Um, 9 is the maximum. Several years. Okay, Colin, between 1 and 7. Do I have to go with the praxis of naming Col- Colin, players? Get, I'll Col- quite Colin. like that, but no. Uh, Wait, yeah, thank Col- God. Let's just get this fucking over with. Come on, go. <laughs> I'll go for two. Po- Tom Boyd. <laughs> Christopher Julien, uh, who scored the first goal in Celtic's 9-0 win over United earlier this season? First goal, uh, Kyogo. Kyogo scored the first goal, one point to Colin. Ooh. Gal, uh, one and then three to seven. Uh, Henrik Larsson. Which club has more wins over Barcelona, Celtic or Dundee United? Dundee United. It's Dundee United, so oh. it's 1-1. One, one. Colin, uh, one, three, four, five or six? Uh, three. Which former Celtic Tabili. players... Tabili, Tabili. Yes, good. Um... How are you answering the questions before he's answered them? Oh, wait a minute. I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which former Celtic player Which former Celtic player scored two goals for Dundee United in a 3-3 draw with Celtic in 2006? 
had he been at Celtic before that? They'd been at Celtic before. So the question for listeners, this oh, well they think no. of over. No. Which former Celtic player scored two goals for United in a 3-3 draw with Celtic in 2006? We're drawing a blank. Go. Uh, was it? Someone that you like. Three. I don't know. It's David Fernandez. For Dundee United? Okay. Gal. Um Two, four, five, or six, I guess. No, call an answer two. No, three, four, five, or six. Four, five, or I six. Did, I did two and three. One, four, five, or six. Uh, let's go with Packy Bonner. Who scored a brace against Indy United in the famous 6 1 victory at Parker's in Ronnie Dyla's first season? The famous 6 1 victory? What the fuck are you talking about? Remember the game Stuart where. Armstrong. No. The game where Dyla Ball finally clicked? Stuart Armstrong. Colin? It was Joe Ingebergit. Joe Ingebergit. Um, that was in the tip of my tongue. I can't believe you just... Big jib. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Colin, four, five, or six? Uh, let's go for six. When Celtic beat United in penalties in a league game in January 2009, which Celtic player scored two of those penalties? 2009, League Cup game, Boric scored the best penalty of them all. But who scored two penalties for Celtic? So it went round twice. Uh, you, you know. Do you know? I'm going to say Neil Lennon. No, it was not Neil <laughs> Lennon. So that would have meant Neil Lennon taking the first penalty. So all right, all right. No, no, no. I just go. Um, <coughs> was it uh, Joe Ledley? Nope, it was Scott McDonald. Okay. So Tara Quinn is here. Uh, Can you not mouth Scott McDonald across the table better? Come on. Excuse me, it's Michael. Go. Four or five. Ah, uh, I'll go with uh, Jackie McNamara. Who scored the United's goal in that win over Celtic at Parkers in 1992 that Paul was talking about? Boxing Day 1992. Who scored the United's goal in the 1-0 win? Um, was it uh, Eamon Bannon? Eamon Bannon. It was not Eamon Bannon. Colin, would you like to guess? 1992, the United player. Paul Sturrock. No, it was Duncan Ferguson. Boom. Why didn't I make Duncan Ferguson an answer in a question? I didn't I think, think you would, to be honest. Final question goes to Colin. What was significant about Celtic's 2 0 win over United on the 21st of May 2000? Um, what was significant about that game? The. Something to do with Diana dying? <laughs> <laughs> Diana died in 1997. For you to come on this podcast and not know that date, that is insulting to me. Gal, would you like to answer the question? with the Y2K bug? Can can you ask the question again, sorry? What was significant about Celtic's 2-0 win over United on the 21st of May 2000? Uh, 21st of May 2000. John Kennedy made his debut? Last game of the season. John Kennedy made his debut? No, Henrik Larson came back. I was going to say that, yeah. Liam Miller Ah. made his debut. (laughs) I was going to say that. I don't know who won. I think everyone lost. I got like one um, point. Yeah. There's a. I have a. I have a like a um, push button. What do you call it when it's like a time tiebreaker? Do yeah. it. Go quickly. Go. Eight players. Celtic. Celtic have signed eight players from Dundee United in our lifetime. Okay. Whoever can name, we'll go around and. So let's go straight to Gal. Okay. Okay. So Gal, how many do you think you can name? I think I can name Stuart Armstrong. Yep. One. That's one. Hold on. That, what's no, but I just knew something for once. 
and that other one is signed at the same time. Uh, Gary McKay Stephen. That's the one. Willow Flood. Right, so Stuart Armstrong, Gary McKay Stephen, Willow Flood. Nadir Chiefji. Yep. Uh, Mark Wilson. Yep. Barry Robson. Yep, that's six. Two uh, more. Two more. Uh, I will also... Uh, I am including three transfers. Segrist. Segrist. One, la- one less. One last one. One last one. And by the way, you got to go back a bit for this. Okay, what about... A player that you do not care for. United. Two first names. Joey Jojo. <laughs> Did we sign Crawford Allen before he was a referee? No, nope, um, nope. midfielder. I don't know. Nineties. Uh, oh, fucking incorrect. No, I don't know. Davy Hanna. Awful. I'm glad I didn't get that. I hate him. I okay, think, I think Gal won. Yeah, I think Gal. It's safe to say. Yeah. And as th- as my wife has said, I am Alan Davis and QI <laughs> in these situations. <laughs> I'm just here for some shits and giggles. Uh, no knowledge. Colin Kearney, pleasure as always, sir. It's been it's been great fun. It really has. Brilliant. Paul Callan, awesome. Really like the new host of the Lunch Club. By the way, I think I think he could go far. Like I think he's the right host for the lunch club is this still the lunch club we, we, we might change the name it depends but anyway listen from Colin from Paul from Taraquin who's slipped in uh, from the uh, what's this place called again Coal Shipyard the Coal Shipyard on the south side of Glasgow I'm Chris Gallagher Celtic versus Dundee United tomorrow Celtic Park reaction straight afterwards hail hail the Celtics are here and we'll speak to you down the road Sometimes we at lunch at one o'clock Sometimes we at lunch at two o'clock And sometimes we at lunch at seven o'clock The Lunch Club